So, like I mentioned last week, uh, we, we have a, a guest uh, preacher today with us, and uh, he is one of our missionaries this year. We started to uh, support him and his family, and today he's here with his wife, Angelica, and they have three children, and two of their children are in teen church, and the youngest is in children's church, and um, I... And, uh, I, I, uh, I'll say this publicly with their permission, I, uh, their youngest daughter, Mia, I approached her and I said, would you like to say a little something in Children's Church about what it is to be a, mission, uh, uh, a daughter of a missionary? She was like, yeah, sure. I was like this, wow, she is called into missions for sure. Um, so, so, so thankful for, um, for Gustavo and Angelica. I met Gustavo back in May of last year here at a missions event that our district was hosting. And uh, from the moment that I met him, I just had a connection with him, uh, uh, we, uh, just a sense of brotherly love and just his passion for God and for the church and for the loss. And then in July, we were able to go to a general council in Orlando and him and Angelica were there and we were able to have lunch with them and share. And we've communicated uh, throughout, throughout the year continually and just uh, have built a nice friendship. Uh, but more than anything, I just love his heart for the lost and his heart for the church. And I know that he is going to, to be a blessing to us. So uh, can you help me receive him with a warm welcome, a hand clap this morning, as we uh, invite him to come forward. Good morning, church. God bless you all. It's a great joy and honor to be with you today. Um, I was here last May, and I have a blast and a, a great time. Worship with you guys, and, and, and I know I'm stepping in this altar filling up for Pastor Carlos, and, and it's going to be a, a, a tremendous task to do because, you know, you know your pastor. <laughs> and, but I just want to open up my heart and share what is in the Lord has given up. And, and, and I want to share it with you. And I believe that today God is going to speak to you, and I believe that you are going to walk out different. You know, I believe that every time we come and meet the Lord, every time we come and worship together, things happen in our hearts, in our lives, in our surroundings that are affected by His power. And I believe that today is not an exception. And today, you're going to walk out this place believing that God is, has something in, the, in His heart for you and you're walking in His purpose. And I believe that with all my heart. Today, my wife is with me. And Helica, she wasn't with, with me last time I came. Uh, I say, hey, hey, you want to say something? I say, no, thank you. <laughs> My wife is a little bit shy, but, you know, when she's out there sharing with people about the Lord, you see a different woman. Uh, thank you. Thank you for hosting us. Thank you for having us today. As you see, English is not my first language, so if I made mistakes, please forgive me. Um, but I just want to share uh, the word of the Lord and and and... And speak from my heart, and I believe also from God's heart. So where you are, please uh, just close your eyes and say to the Lord in this, in this morning, you could be somewhere else today. You could be, you know, outside. Maybe it's too cold, but maybe somewhere else. Um, doing something different, but you choose to be this morning in this sanctuary. With the people that you are surrounded by. And you choose to be here. Because, you know, God has something special for you today. And I just want to, Lord, that you would be with us and speak to our hearts and our minds. That we silence everything around us. We just want to hear your voice. We connect and tune our senses, our, our, all our being with you. So please, Lord, speak to us. 
In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we were supposed to be here last, last Sunday, but, you know, COVID happened. And when COVID happened, you don't know. Or your plans are messed up. And, and something you learn with, have you learned, I hope, with this pandemic is that nothing is, uh, everything changed. And, and nothing is like settled. And you can make plans, but I learned this saying um, when I started speaking English, you plan and God laughs. I, was, I heard that. We have a plan and we were supposed to be here last week. Uh, and then we, a, a, a week before that, I, I was not feeling well. I mean, I wasn't so ill, but I, I wasn't feeling well. My wife said, why don't you take a test? I said, why, man, I don't want to take a test now. You know, if those tests are not fun, when they stick that thing in your nose and I say, well, let's go. And, and two hours later, I got an email that says, your test positive. But I felt well the whole week. I said, man, I, I don't feel that I have COVID. But anyway, so I called pastor and say, hey, <laughs> we had a situation here. We cannot come this week. Uh, we have to postpone one extra week and wait for the positive, uh, for a negative result and everything went well. But in the meantime, we saw God's faithfulness and we see that he was actually planned that time for us to stress, lower stress, you know, moving out of a different countries, not AC. We're going back to Turkey. We're going back to the place God has put us for this season. Um, actually, we fly tomorrow. tomorrow. We fly Uh, in the afternoon to Turkey. So we, you know, all the stressors that that had. And, but we seen God faithfulness and we needed that time out, be at home. <laughs> Nobody could visit us. We couldn't do nothing. The five of us watching our face <laughs> for a whole week, more than usual. And we enjoyed that time. And, and, and I'm grateful for that. And it, it helped me to think about things and, and see that God is actually a faithful God. He really is. Sometimes we take it for granted. Sometimes it's just a cliche, something we say to, to, feel, to make somebody else feel good. But sometimes we don't even believe it. But God is faithful. And God count on you. And he want to use you. And that's why sometimes we go through situations that are not fun, that are not happy to be at those moments. But God is using that for a good purpose. And I believe it in the name of the Lord. So uh, we're, we're on our way back to Turkey. We, we are the team leaders for the first ever Hispanic training team, uh, training Hispanic workers to reach out Muslims in Central Asia. And we're starting this this year. And we hope that many people from Latin America, from the Hispanic districts in the United States will join us because we want to see a church planting movement happening in, through all Central Asia, from Turkey all the way to Afghanistan. We want to see new churches being planted. We want to see Muslims being reached by the gospel. We want to see the glory of the Lord pouring out in that region. And you are part of that. And we are glad that Pastor Carlos and ESC has joined us. ECC, sorry. ECC has joined us in this quest And in this calling that God has put in our hearts, not, all, not just for us, but for people in Latin America, we have a lot of potential. We have a lot of things to give for the kingdom, 
uh, and we cannot hold it no more. We have to give it away so the kingdom of God keep growing and keep expanding to places that he has not been known yet. You know, all this is happening. God is a God of timing. God is a God of perfect timing. And all this happening in a moment where the Assemblies of God worldwide has decided to launch this new initiative called MM33. Have you heard about that? MM33, his mission, our mandate, our, our goal, our, our task. And by 20, 2033 will be Technically, it will be 2,000 years since the church was established by the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is a lot of things to do. There is a lot of people to reach. So we want to see a, a million of some of God's churches planted throughout the world. And to do that, we all can be part of it. And, and at the same time that initiative started, we have like a 10 plus years to go to see that happening. And, and at the same time, God is moving the Latin American church to be part of that great harvest. And, but when I think about harvest, when I think about what is still to do, you know, somebody said, I, I, sometimes I, I quote people, but I don't remember who said that, but somebody says that we cannot uh, measure our task for the things we have done, but for what is still yet to be done. It makes sense? So we cannot measure our success for what, he, what we have accomplished up to this point, but what is left to do. And that means that there is more than 40% of the people of the world who have no hair who Jesus is. In just in the region we are, there are 729 unreached people group. There is about 400 million people who have never heard who Jesus is. Who have no church, who have no, the, the word of God translated into their hard languages. And that's what we are left to do. There is, there is what still we have to do. And when I think about the task, when I think about what is uh, still for the church today to do, uh, it, it brings to my mind uh, what the Lord Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9. If you can come read with me, please. Matthew chapter 9 verse 35. It shows the, the Lord's heart. It shows what is in his heart from the very beginning. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. I am in a, reading in an NIV. Or, sorry, NRSV is a different version, but it's pretty close to the uh, NIV. And it, and it says something like, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness. And this is what, what, is ama what amazed me about the Lord. He, he was out there. He was reaching out to people. He was uh, dealing with the most difficult problem in humanity. You know what, you know what that is? It's, it's sin. Sin is the most difficult problem or, or is the greatest problem for humanity. Is sin. It's sin is everything else is a result of sin. And Jesus was dealing with that through preaching the gospel. But also, he was dealing with the felt needs of people. He was dealing with their sickness. He was dealing with their emotions. He was dealing with everything. So he was in a holistic mission. And while doing that, you may say, well, the Lord should be feeling, you know, like, happy about what he's doing. And when he looks around, he sees the crowds and had compassion. 
Verse 36 says, when he had saw the, cross, the, the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed, harassed and helpless, like sheep without shepherd. Then they say to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. You know, it is interesting that what we were left to do by the Lord, it is not so complicated. You know, when we think about the nature of our call, it is not the hardest thing to do. Are you with me? It's not the hardest thing because he's the one who heals, right? Who is the one who heals? Who convicts people of sin? The Holy Spirit, right? Who died at the cross? Jesus. Who saves? Who is seated on the throne? Who has all authority? And what we have to do is nothing of those things. It's just, it's just a simple thing. We have to just share the gospel with people, speak up, and pray for laborers. There is nothing complicated on that. Except that when we, when we have to pray for someone else, it moves us out of our comfort zone because we are not praying about us. We know how to pray about us, right? We, we are expert on doing that. We're experts on, on asking about our needs, asking about what we, what we feel. But when we pray about someone else, sometimes we don't know what to do, how to pray. But that's what the Lord asks and, and expects from us. When you read this passage, he, he, let, let me put it into perspective. If you walk with me through this passage, he, he's preaching the gospel. He's out there, you know, meeting people in all the different needs, in their felt needs. He's filling their hearts with the gospel. He's doing all this. And when he looked around, he saw the crowds that are no different from today. What difference were the crowd back then and the, different, and the crowds back today? They have the same problems. They have the same situations. They have the same kind of situations you and I live today and the people around us. So there's no difference between that crowd and today's crowd. So it tells me that the Lord had, if he had compassion back then, he still has it today. And when he had that compassion, if you mean what compassion means, compassion is means filling it from within. It is a kind of feeling uh, that, that moves our, our uh, what do you call it? our gut? I don't know how to say that. Like, yeah? It, it is like uh, when, I wa- when I was getting married to my wife and I was waiting for her in the aisle, I saw her walking. My stomach was like, you know, without, we say butterflies. But there were no butterflies. It looked like a, Different kind of animal. It was really strong. <laughs> because the innermost feelings are not filled with your hair, are in your body. You feel it within here. And, and, and that's what happened when the Lord saw the crowds. From within, he felt compassion. It was not an emotional or a psychological thing. It was something physical. He felt it. And what, 
what makes me, you know, um, keep me in awe is that his answer to that compassion is that he say to he's turned to his disciples. In other words, he said, you have to answer. You just have to pray. To whom? To the Lord of the harvest. And who is the Lord of the harvest? The Lord, Jesus. So he's, in other words, he's saying, ask me for more workers. So when he felt compassion, when he had that compassion for people, when he saw the crowds that are no different from today, when he saw them, he asked to his disciples, his followers, his closest people, hey, you guys, turn on your knees and ask me for more laborers. Because we as a church, we are the extension of God's grace to reach out to people who is in the same situation as those crowds. Harassed, helpless, like sheep without shepherd. Are you following me? So think about the position and think about the responsibility we have. We are, we are and I'm not telling this with, with pride, I'm telling this with a humble heart. We are God's answer to the felt needs of the world. Because when he, he said, he could have done something else. He could have said, let's pray and heal them all. He was doing it already. But he didn't say that. He turned to his church. He turned his, to his disciples and told them, you guys need to stand up. You need to rise up. You need to do what you're supposed to do. Number one, stand on the gap and pray for laborers because they are few. Every time you talk to a missionary, every time you talk to a pastor, every time you talk to someone who is involved in ministry full-time, the general consensus will say, they will say, what is the most or the greatest need among the, 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 the ministry you do? Most of them will say, we need laborers. And, it, and it, I had a question here, so I, I don't have the answer, but perhaps there are no laborers because we are not praying for them. Maybe. Uh, it, it is just a perhaps. Perhaps we are so self-centered in our own needs that we are neglecting the crowds around us by not doing the simple thing the Lord asks us to do. Pray for labors. And you keep going, if you keep reading chapter 10, then he appointed and it, it's, it's really interesting that, and I, I hope you will not take, take this in the wrong way, but he first asked them, go and pray for laborers. And then he appoint them. Are you following me? <laughs> so you say, ha, huh, now I'm not going to pray anymore for workers because I might be ending up being one. But you know, those same people he asked to pray for laborers, he sent them later. They're the same ones. I don't see a different group of disciples. 
They were the same ones. And he gave them authority to do the very same things he was doing in other places. So you and I could be an answer to someone around us who is a neglected person, someone who is in a hard place, someone who is needing a voice who will encourage and give them hope. We could be that person. Because as we pray, we are communicating with the only one who can give answers. And if we are connecting with him, if we are in a relationship with him, we might as well be an answer to those around us. We live in a culture that we are more, every, every time we are more and more self-centered, individualistic. And we could care less about people around us. As far as I'm safe, I don't care. There is, uh, last May when we were here in that event, there was something that, uh, that Joe said, I don't know if you recall that, but he said that we are living in a culture that is having the same kind of attitude or syndrome, let's say that way, of Cain. Am I, I am a keeper of my brother. You remember that? I don't know if you remember that. Am I a keeper of my brother? That's what, when would God ask uh, Cain about his brother Abel, what Cain says, already, he already killed him. He was dead already. But God still talked to him and say, hey, where is your brother? And what, what were uh, Cain's words? Am I my brother's keeper? And that, kind of, that same kind of spirit is within individualistic societies as ours. Am I a keeper of my neighbor? I, am I my neighbor's keeper? And even if we do, do not care about our neighbor, we care less about people who is beyond or, or far away from us. And I'm talking about those 729 unreached people groups in Central Eurasia. And not just them, but many, close to 6,000 unreached people groups in the world who have never heard the gospel. And all we have to do is do our part. Number one, share the gospel. That's, that's a given. You cannot take that away. That's your responsibility and mine. Wherever you go, wherever you are, is your responsibility to share the gospel with people. And number two, pray for, pray for laborers. And you might end up being one of those. But that's okay. It's a great honor to serve King Jesus. But you could be a laborer where you are. We need laborers in the marketplace. We need laborers at schools. We need laborers at universities. We need laborers anywhere. The labor is not, a, it is not a label you put when you just serve a church. Labor is one who is willing to serve the Lord wherever they are. And you could be one of those. Because you know what? The crowds have not changed within 2,000 years. The sinful nature is the same then as it is today. So they still are harassed and hopeless. They still walk out there like sheep without shepherd. So it is in our hands to choose what to do today. If we want to be an answer to those people around us, we would just pretend to come just to church every Sunday, receive what we can take, and move on with our lives for the next seven days until we come and see again.
Right now, one of our, of our biggest needs as a team leaders is that we have, no, no, we have not enough laborers. We have not enough workers. Yeah, I know it's, a, it's, it's, it's hard to leave the comfort zone and move somewhere else when things are different. But I'm thinking about what it says right here. Oh, for Jesus. <laughs> He's worthy of everything. You know, yesterday in my, in, my, in my time with the Lord, I was reading the scriptures in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. Many people don't read the Revelations because it's a scary book, but actually it's a, wor- it's, a, it's a worship book. Chapter 4 and 5 are full of worship. And it says things like, uh, every time the four creatures say, holy, holy is the Lord of mighty. The, four, the 24 elders lay the crowns before him and worship him. And then when the elders come and lay down their crowns and worship him, then a voice rises up and says, who is worthy? And the angel says, the Lion of Judah, the Son of David, it's worthy. And then a, a multitude of people who nobody can count from every people, tongue, nation, and race lift up their voices, worship him who is worthy. What I'm saying these brothers and sisters today, because if he is able to do what he do for our love, for our sake, the only natural response we have is to give it all for him. And Jesus shared his compassion with us. When, we, when he turned to the disciples, he was sharing what was in his heart. Do you see that? He came to his closest people, to the group of people he was walking by. People who saw him doing things. People who, who might have thought, well, he's Jesus, he can do all those things. But what can the Lord ask or expect from us? Yet he turned to them and told them, Hey, the harvest is plentiful. So there is a lot to do. If we don't reap that harvest in a time, it will be spoiled. I mean, it will be wasted. And we want to do that. We don't want that. Do we? We want to be responsible for what was given to us. And the world still needs laborers. Have you find yourself asking, or have you asked yourself, hey, Lord, what can I do for you? Or maybe mostly you say, hey, Lord, what can you do for me? That's regularly uh, our prayer, right? Do this for me, do this. But have you asked, Lord, how can I serve you today? You know, I, I, I always say this, and I hope you keep this in your heart. You can be motivated by, by, by the lost. 
by the people. But, you know, honestly, you can give everything to them. You can give all your possessions and that's fine because you love people. But that's altruism. There are other people who do that too. They do not serve the Lord. Your motivation should not be people. Your motivation should be who God is for you. And when you understand that, you will be able to just get on your knees and ask to the Lord of the harvest for labors. Back in, it was July, August when we met. Back in August, I heard this story. It's a true story that is happening in somewhere in Central Eurasia. I, I only have heard those kind of things in Acts, honestly. But there is a town. It is a, it's a spiritual stronghold for Muslims in, in Central Eurasia. It's a city of two million people. Um, none church known in the area, no workers, no pastors, nothing. And, and somebody says that if somebody, if the gospel can get into that town, all the spiritual atmosphere of the country and the region would be affected positively. But, you know, nobody knew about what was going on there until last August. Uh, one friend of mine who is working in the area he shared with me that uh, there is this uh, organization who, by, by uh, the website, you can connect with them, and they will send you, by, by mail, a, a New Testament. No question asked. Just, if you need it, they will send it to you, and that's it. So from that city, uh, from that city in, in, in Central Eurasia, somebody contacted their website, and, and they sent him a New Testament three years ago. But nobody knew what happened. Nobody asked. There was no one to follow. There was no one to, to call to ask. Because normally when, when, the, uh, when the website send a New Testament, uh, there is someone who will follow up. But there was no one to follow up. Three years later, uh, there is this worker who come and contact the website and ask them, hey, I am new in the area, and I was wondering if, if there is, you know, any follow-up. I would like to, to reach out to that person if that person is interested in knowing more about Jesus. They say, yes, three years ago we were contacted by someone in that area. Here is the information, try We don't know what happened. So the worker picked up the phone and called the guy. The guy is on the other line and said, hey, uh, I'm calling... Uh, because three years ago you, you ordered a, a New Testament. Sorry for the delay. Uh, but I am wondering if you have any question, if you received the New Testament, if you, if you I mean, I want to know what happened. And the guy on the other side of the phone said, yeah, yeah, I received it. I read it. I accept it. And the Lord, and Jesus is my Lord today. <laughs> the worker was, <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so, so, but he said, okay, so how has it been for you these past three years? Have you contact with someone? Have you gone to a church? You say, no, 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 no church, no nothing. I'm just me and my New Testament. So 
So the worker said, I, I would like to meet you. And, and maybe we can both see it and talk and, and, and do a Bible study. The other guy said, yeah, sure. They met in a public place. And, and the worker was thinking, ah, what, what should I share with him? You know, it's been three years. He says he's a believer. He says a follower of Christ, but I have no idea. Where is he in his walking with the Lord? Where is he? So they meet and say, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to prepare a Bible study on Genesis chapter 1 through 3. And he goes there and, and they meet, they start talking. They start doing the Bible study. And as soon as uh, he started reading at the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and, and all that. And he say, hey, hold on. That's not in my book. Because he only has a New Testament. He opens up his eyes and says, is there more? Is there more? He said, yeah, of course. So he, they read all chapter 1, 2, and 3 of Genesis. And his understanding was open because he understood a lot of things that was written in the New Testament that makes more sense when you have read the New Old Testament. So he was all fired up, all happy because of these new uh, findings he had. And, and, he, and then, then the worker asking, hey, who would you like to share this with? This with no one. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say that? He said, don't ask me to share that. That's dangerous. He was like, how are you? Where do you get that from? I mean, that's all, uh, you know, Western talking. <laughs> how do you get that from? He says, well... When I start reading the New Testament, I start sharing this with my family. This is a Muslim country, okay? I start sharing this with my family. My family beat me up, kicked me out of my house. I move on with, a, with, with friends. While living with my friends, I could not hold this to myself. And I needed to share it, so I was sharing with them. My friends kicked me. They beat me up, they kicked me out of the house, and I end up living in the streets, homeless. My only hope and my only comfort was what I read from the New Testament. So please don't ask me to share this with anybody. The, 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 the worker says, but there should be someone. <laughs> I was encouraging him to share that with someone. I said, well, back in college, there was a, a professor who was an open-minded, maybe he, he might be able to have these kind of conversations with no further uh, you know, consequences. He, he said, okay. And he gave him a New Testament and says, take this book with you and give it to him. The guy was for three days trying to reach out the doc, the, the professor, but he could not, he could not just call him. He, he was afraid, what should I, should I do, what I do? All of a sudden, the phone rang. And guess who? The professor. The professor called the guy. The guy picked up the phone and says, yes, uh, why, why are you calling me? <laughs> he was kind of, he was supposed to call you, but you're calling me. How is, what, what is happening? So they start talking and say, I, I, I will cut to the chase, as you say, right? I will go straight to the point. I had a dream. In the dream, I saw a guy, a man, who was standing, surrounded by a light. He was bright and shiny. 
and he had a dove in one hand and a book in the other hand and he told me that if I come to you you will give me a book that will help me to understand who was his and who he was the question is do you have the book the guy say yes here it is and he gave him the new testament they start standing together the Bible. Then these, the, the, the young guy called the, the, the worker and said, hey, look what is happening here. He said, I would like to meet you both. So they, 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 they uh, agreed to meet in a public place to talk about that. But when the, the, the appointment they came, the, the point that they came, uh, the guy was there, but the professor wasn't. It was someone else. Say, okay, who is the other guy? So long story short, the other guy says, well, I also had a dream. Not the same as the professor, but another one where Jesus told me to come to you guys. And the crazy part is not that. There are 20 more people, 28 more people who have had the same dream where Jesus asked them to go with them. And in a city of 2 million people, listen up, in a, in a city of 2 million people who 3 years ago were nothing, 6 months ago were nothing, today we have more than 28 people worshiping Jesus just because he cares. <laughs> Amen. But you see what happened here. Where were the labors all those 3 years? I'm not, I'm not diminishing anything God is doing because he's sovereign God. He do whatever he wants. We cannot mess up with that. But my question to the church is, where were we all those three years? Were we praying for workers? Were we making ourselves available for him to use us? We need workers in that area. You know why? One of the guys who is working in, this, in the area called me, sent me an email the other day, say, Gustavo, from that same website, from the same website, in the, just in that area, they have more than 1,000 requests that people need to follow up with. 1,000 people who is asking questions and there are not enough laborers to answer those questions. Would you help us? Would you make yourself available just at least to pray for one? And if the Lord in the meantime calls you, just come along. And we will reach out the Muslim people for the Lord. You know, it's not about resources because the Lord has them all. It's not about even the virus because he has control of it. It's just about make ourselves available to the one and only who is worthy of all. And if we give it all, and if we just say, Lord, we are available. You know, that's all the Lord needs. When you think about the more remarkable people who have made a difference in true history, they all have one same pattern. They all were available and say, yes, Lord, use me. Check out the lease after, check out the lease after uh, the Lord called them. They were not a special people. And if we are honest, 
I will not choose them. Will you? And the Lord willingly, I mean, he knew them more than they know themselves. And yet, he chose them. They were a fisher, no, a group of fishers. Fish, fisher, right? Fisherman, thank you. <laughs> they were a group of fishermen. Tax collectors. There was one who, who called Thomas, who was in, what he was? Doubter, he, he just doubt. We have the son of thunders, the sons of thunder. Think about that nickname. We have a, a uh, I come from Colombia, so we, we know what a guerrilla fighter is. Do you know what a guerrilla fighter is? It's, it's those who, who fought against the government and they want to turn down the government to whatever that politics are. I'm not into politics, honestly. But there was a guy called uh, uh, Zealot, Simon the Zealot. He was a guerrilla fighter back in the day. Think that 12 group of people, that group of 12, there was a tax collector who works for the government that the other guys want to turn out. Have you think about that? What kind of conversations do they have? <laughs> Yet Jesus chose them both. So if you are pro-vaccination or anti-vaccination, just God loves you both. <laughs> and guess what? He want to use you both. So it was not a remarkable group of people that he chose. He was not thinking about what they were in that moment, but he was thinking about what they could be when they surrender lives to the only one who can give meaningful and meaning to their lives. And that's the kind of labors he chose, not the ones we would choose. And I have another question, uh, maybe two questions. Would you choose? Those 12, honestly, knowing them as they are? I have another question. Would you choose yourself? Maybe not. But you know what? The Lord do. The Lord does. And only he, the, all he needs is an open heart that says to him, Lord, I am not the best. I am far from, pref from perfect. That's my wife. You know, when, when I preach and she's standing right in front of me or sitting right in front of me, I, I'm afraid. Because she knows me better than you guys. It's, it's not about what I have. Because honestly, we, you and I, we have nothing that will impress the Lord. Is what he can do through our lives what matters. And it's the kind of labors he's asking for. And the kind of labors he's asking to pray for and other labors too. So you can choose today what to do with that information, brothers and sisters. 
I'm just a messenger delivering something that I believe God is want to talk to you. You've been sitting on that bench for too long. And there is a war out there. Pass beyond your side. Who is harassed and hopeless, like sheep without shepherd, who just needs someone who will say, Lord, I am available. Use me if you want. Leave the rest to the Lord and you will see how great things will be. Please stand up and let's pray together. I hope the Lord is speaking to your heart. And I'm leaving tomorrow, so it's okay. But you know what? I would love to see ECC thriving and growing. Not because, uh, because there's a group of people here who has commit themselves to the Lord and say, Lord, I am available. You see? Can you imagine what a group, a bunch of people committed to the Lord can do? Look what the disciples did. They will not sit and talk about their differences. They knew they had that. But they were focused on the Lord who called them. They were focused on, on, on reaching out to people and talk about this king and talk about this savior. He talk about this guy who transformed and turned the world upside down. They had no time to talk about each other, about their difference. They had no time to be uh, doing different stuff. They were all there, all in for Jesus. And when the, die, the time came to pray for laborers, they were there. Remember Acts number 9? The church in Antioch, they were praying and fasting and serving the Lord. And the Holy Spirit came and said, set apart to Barnabas and Saul. Because I want to use them. And there were other leaders of the church in that time. And they all were, let's do that. And they sent them. Think about what the Lord can do in Queens and New York and beyond when we all come together available to the Lord. When we all come together to pray and worship and say, Lord, you are our all in all and we are available. Think about that. We could be that people. Lord, just need available hearts. So here we are, Lord, in this, in this beautiful morning. You have spoke yet another time to our hearts, as you just know how to do. So here we are. We surrender all. You are not impressed. Honestly, you are not impressed for my abilities or my 
traits or, or you're not impressed by those you, you give it to me so how can I impress you there is nothing to prove I have nothing to prove to you you, you are amazing you are wonderful and you choose me and love me the way I am and you want to of course transform and redeem those areas that need to be changed So Lord, without reservations, I just give it all to you. You are worthy. Like the elders, we lay our crowns before you. Like the four beings, we just worship your name and say you are holy, holy, holy. Like the crowds, we come before you telling you, you are worthy of it all. So here we are, Father. Once again, we recommit ourselves to you and say we are available. You will do what it takes you will take away from me what is hindering it. It's hindering what you want to do. I just laid it all before you. And I make myself available, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. is open if anybody needs prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon. We pray it blesses and encourages your life.